Welcome back to the Faith and Focus podcast. I am your host, Gabriel, here with a very special guest. Uh, last episode, I had my youth pastor on and uh, my youth pastor going up. And if you haven't listened to that episode, please make sure you go watch that. It was a powerful testimony. Um, I think your life will be very affected by it. It's very powerful. But uh, that being said, I have a very special guest. I had my youth pastor going up last time, and now I have my pastor from my home church in Kansas here with me this morning. And uh, the funny thing about this is uh, he's my home pastor. So he came to my church when I was 11 years old. And um, and he's, and I left at 18 to go pursue a ministry degree in Oklahoma City, right? And uh, I came to Oklahoma and I think he missed me because a year <laughs> later, he was like, I'm just going to go pastor a church down in Oklahoma in the Oklahoma City area. And so, uh, yeah, and now, which is even more special, that he's not just my home pastor. He's also uh, my pastor that I work with. I'm his youth pastor here. And uh, I'm just excited for him to share his story because I know he's said it very many times. And uh, yeah. I, I know it'll be good. I know it'll be uh, uh, it'll be good for those that, that just just hone in and listen to it. So, um before we go too far, I'm going to introduce Pastor Steve Todd, and I'm going to let him have the floor for a second, kind of just give us a bio, give us a short little split of who you are right now, what you're doing yeah. in life. and Yeah, I never thought of it like that, that I did follow in Yokoma City. I guess you have just that magnetism you have to draw people to you. Yep, that's so, me. <laughs> now, as, 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 first of all, I'm honored to be on here. Um, pastor Hans was... Uh, worked as my youth pastor when he was your youth pastor, yep. so it's pretty cool. Um, I've got to pastor Gabriel twice, so yep. uh, still work on him. He's a work in progress. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> Hans had the same thing to say. <laughs> he did, I bet. Um, but, you know, I, I went to Bible college, and just a, a quick synopsis is ministry. We'll get into testimony later. And came out of Bible college and went to youth pastor and uh, never thought I would go anywhere but Oklahoma. I thought... Uh, I'd go from Texas to Bible, from Bible college back to Oklahoma, ended up in Kansas and, um, short of meeting Jesus, I met the greatest thing ever happened to me, my wife, Amen. uh, her dad hired me as the youth pastor and I ended up marrying her. And so, uh, spent 20 years, uh, 19 years in, uh, Kansas, uh, youth pastored three of those years and then, uh, pastored the rest for almost 10, one, no, too much short of 10 years. Uh, in Colby, Kansas, where I was Gabriel's pastor. And so uh, been in ministry a few years. It's hard to believe I've been in ministry that long. But it was uh, 24. 24. 24. Yeah. I always remember I've been married 23, and I was in ministry a year before we got yeah. married. So that's, go. that's, that's how easy. I keep that's It's easy. easy to keep with us. So we're, we're working on 25. I need to, uh, that's a big milestone to remember that. Yeah, so. that'd be pretty cool. That's pretty. It yeah. is pretty. That's a big milestone. Yes, it is. I've only like three three four years in so like well just keep trucking wild. yeah yeah so i remember three or four going oh there's no way i'm gonna make it to 25 boy, or this and boy. it's uh it's kind of like marriage you know at first you're like are we gonna make it you know and mm-hmm. here we are 23 years later yep. but that's just a quick synopsis synopsis excuse me of my uh, ministry but been here in jones for four years as pastor right at four years and uh love it here love to be in oklahoma love to to do ministry and uh, with Gabriel and Audrey, uh, the last 10 months as our youth pastors has been amazing. It's awesome to see what God's doing. 
don't. Well, thanks. I appreciate that. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, one thing I would say he neglected, he has an awesome wife. He has three great kids, Parker, Chloe, and Isaac. Yeah. Two by them by their own, and Isaac, who came from um, Haiti. And yeah. so, really, they're awesome kids. Parker's at James River, and Chloe's still in high school. Isaac just started third third grade, third grade. so grade. we've got them all over the yeah. all over the age groups <laughs> yeah i got one in youth one's <laughs> one's in kids and one's in college yeah know? and so yeah that's uh exciting i'm thankful for him and i'm thankful for the opportunity to be his youth pastor but uh we want to get into his testimony this morning and so uh what i like to do is i, I like to split it up uh, a little bc before christ you know yeah. steve before christ <laughs> a little bit of ad a little bit after you died and jesus yeah. came to take over your life and so uh, i know you've given your testimony a good few times so you probably got a pretty good handle on the story so i'm just gonna yeah. let you kind of have the the floor and take it away. What's your What's your story? All right, sounds good. Well, um, I was born and raised in Muskogee, Oklahoma, and I uh, was born into a, an amazing family, uh, just a, a really good, godly family. Uh, my mom and my dad were deep into church. My dad was a deacon, and uh, before I came along, I'm the youngest of three boys, and my oldest brother's 13 years older than me. The other one's 10 years older, so I was the, they used to say I was the afterthought, but I was the, I was the perfect child, the golden child is what I say. Uh, but, you know, so before I came along, I know my dad was even uh, interim youth pastor and was a deacon and things. So I was, I was raised in church, had a great family, had a great uh, upbringing, um, can't think of anything negative about it, you know. Yep. Uh, but uh, when I was 10 years old, my dad uh, was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease, uh, which is ALS, but it's it's well known as Lou Gehrig's disease because he's the one who brought attention in his uh, speech, you know, there on the, the baseball field. And so uh, 10 years old, I had no idea what that was. You know, right. I was, I probably, looking back, probably didn't know any different from that and having the flu or something, you know. Right. But it was... Uh, what Lou Gehrig's disease is, is it's a muscular um, degenerative disease. Um, I could go into a lot of details, but I'm not. But it just, it, it, there's no cure for it, and it withers your body away. And uh, so it started, um, a lot of people, it'll start in their hands or it'll start uh, uh, in their face. started my dad's uh, foot, actually his big toe. He figured out one day he couldn't move his big toe. And mm-hmm. so they did kind of went from there so uh he he lived with that for three years and that was a tough three years of watching him um go from a uh, strong provider he was a firefighter uh he was he he worked um his shift would be he worked 24 hours and was off 48 so those two days off he was he was working you know he drove a truck he did all kinds of things um so to watch him go from a strong provider uh to just kind of wither away it, it was tough um as as a young as a young man and, and to watch my mom go through the things that she went through as she stood by him but he uh, sub, uh passed away when i was 13 so um, you know, I think, I think my whole trajectory of my life was changed by what I walked through as a young man. Um, not that I say I want it to happen again, but I think it changed who I was. Yeah. And, uh, I've experienced in ministry, I, I believe it's given me a, um, an empathy for people, uh, that I never had before. 
uh, or maybe I did, I guess I was young, too young to think about having that, but that really shaped me. But it also, you know, that's the, that would probably be the, the, um, AD after I died, but the BC was, you know, I became very angry. I became very, um, frustrated with God. We were godly people. We, 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 my dad was always even up till the point where he went to the hospital. He was believing God was going to heal him. He was a man of the word. His Bible was, uh, was always right there beside his bed. And, uh, when he couldn't, it wasn't able to read it. Um, back then, uh, they had cassette tapes back then. <laughs> he would listen to it and or my mom would read the word to him. So I became very angry and uh, the summer of my eighth grade year, uh, before my eighth grade year is when he passed away. And it was very difficult. So from, I would say from eighth grade on through high school, uh, it was just me playing church. It was me going to church. And I always say this, and you've probably heard me, others have probably heard me say, um, I would go to church because I knew my mom would wanted me to go. And I had, sorry, I had enough... Uh, concerned for her that I'm like, I'm going to go. And so uh, I would go out, you know, after football games on Friday night to, to parties and um, do things that uh, I shouldn't have been doing um, and, and, you know, hanging out with people that I shouldn't have been hanging out with. And then Saturday night would be the same thing. And um, I, I was telling somebody one time, you know, I, I look back over it and it wasn't that I was a horrible kid. I was just, I was, I was not where I needed to be with Christ. I was living a double life. And I always tried to respect my mom's rules. You know, uh, we, we had a curfew or I had a curfew of midnight. So I would go, you know, party till I had to be home. And, uh, sometimes she would be in bed and I would just slip in and, and go to bed. But, you know, as I, I think back, you know, I was filling a void, um, that was, that was left by the, the passing of my father and just the, um, the, the, the thoughts and they were not correct thoughts, but you know, the thoughts that God had abandoned us, God had given up on us. Um, so, you know, all through high school, um, I did things I shouldn't have been doing, but again, I was in youth group, I was in church and it's amazing when you're younger, now I'm on the other side of it. You think, well, nobody knows what I'm doing. You know, I'm fooling everybody. And I realized, and I realized later I wasn't fooling anybody, you know, and, uh, we had, me and my mom had discussions later, you know, and she was just talking about, man, I just prayed for you. And, you know, she was always sharing the truth. She didn't know everything that went on, but she knew I wasn't living right, you know? And so it, 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 it and I think back and I look back and I mean, there's even individuals I can name that I went to youth group with and they knew I weren't living for the Lord. And one of them, one individual, he was, uh, he was, I was jealous of him. He would never have thought I was jealous yeah. uh, because he could live out his faith. And, um, you know, when I was at school, I'd say hi to him and that was about it. You know, and I, I look back and I'm thinking in my head, man, I want to be more like him because he was living out his faith, but I wasn't strong enough to do that. Yeah. And so uh, went through went through a lot, a lot of mess. And um, I wish back then, you know, going to talk to a counselor would have been a thing because that would have been good for me back then. And uh, I've done that since and uh, it's helped. But um, I think that just, you know, my dad's death and, and kind of set me on a path of, um, it worked out for good because God used that, but you know, where I was headed was not a good place. And, um, the things I were doing, I was doing was, yeah. 
I look back and there's many times I think it was by God's grace that I'm here and things that happened and things that I did that uh, I should have been not here, I guess. So Yeah. That's kind of a quick synopsis of BC, I guess. Yeah, a little quick BC. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, I've heard, I know I've heard that story many times. And I think, I think, I mean, I, I just don't, I just don't know what you went through with like being in a fatherless yeah. home. Um, Cause were your brother, weren't your brothers like already out of the house by now? Yeah, they were. Uh, my, oh, my, I'm trying to think. My middle brother, um, he was married. My oldest brother was married. Um, before my dad died, the year before my dad died, um, my middle brother had their, their first child. So Oh, okay. So that was the first grandkid, you know, in the family. And then okay. my dad died uh, probably nine months later. So, so, you, so they were yeah. they were married, but they um, I have the most amazing brothers, and they did what they could. But looking back, you know, they were starting their families and it was right. hard, you know, they, they did what they could, you know, they would come to my football games. They would, you know, do whatever needed to happen to, to help my mom. They both lived there in town, but, uh, you know, it's helped me now in ministry to know, yes, we need to be father figures to people, but to young men, especially is what I think young ladies, uh, need those mother figures, but you know, it's it's not replaceable oh, no. uh, and so Absolutely yeah they not. they did they did their best to try to help me but I, you know they were like i said starting families and um a couple months after my dad died you know each one of them had another kid and it was just like uh so they were they were doing their thing yeah yeah they were doing so i mean that puts so your your dad dies and your brothers are starting their family so they're not really there to be able to to like bring you up and 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 help you yeah. and so what was it like like you you said you felt like a uh, you felt a burden to take care of your mom mm-hmm. and so what was the burden like taking care of your mom trying to be the man of the house but still lacking the father figure how what was that? what was that like um it was hard it really was you know because uh <laughs> i i don't think i really stepped you know i was only 13 so i don't think i probably stepped into that role maybe i did but you know, probably about 15 is when I really remember like, oh, you know, I need to take care of mom or, you know, I, I, uh, I remember trying to, I mean, just silly things like putting up the Christmas lights, you know, and I had never done, you know, my dad got sick when he was 10. I don't remember putting up Christmas lights, but uh, I remember my mom giving me instructions from the ground and me about <laughs> me hanging off the roof, which I wouldn't do today, but hanging on, you know, so it's just simple, even simple things like that. And, you know, always trying to um, be there for her and you know I don't know if I felt pressure I probably did at the time to kind of step in and and take care of things and do things around the house that I needed to do Um, maybe that's where my love for mowing came I I took her Gabriel and I always tease about we both like to mow Uh, he gets that naturally from his father Uh, but um, you know taking care of the yard doing things like that uh, but I did, you know, I think that also helped prepare me for ministry at a young age, taking care of uh, a grown woman, taking care of my mom and trying to, to be a support for her. Yeah. Um, so she never dated, never remarried, anything like that. So um, I look back on that and think that was probably my fault because there yep. was times I was like, hey, we're good, you know. Uh, but I look back and think she probably could have used some companionship. Yeah. Um, but it it was it was pressure to do that and it was 
um, it was hard, but especially when I got older, um, into, uh, to college, funny story. When I'd been at college, I was probably 19, 20, maybe, uh, I came home for Christmas and my mom was talking and saying, man, I just want to go to Branson, but I don't have anybody to go with. And I was like, well, I'll go with you, mom. So we go to Branson <laughs> And I, we went to a show. We went and watched uh, Soji Tabuchi. I don't even know if he's still around, but he was like a violin guy. <laughs> and we went, and I'm sitting there with my mom, and I'm looking around thinking, I'm 19, 20 years old. I'm the youngest one in yeah, this yeah. theater. <laughs> but we had a blast. We had yeah. a fun time at Branson. And so um, just thinking back over those times, those are fond memories. Um, but as much as she took care of me, I tried to take care of her as well. Right, yeah. Had to grow up pretty fast. Yeah, you really did. It forced you to grow up very fast. Yeah, man. So, uh, man. So you 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 spoke a little bit of like your anger, um, but before we get to that, how do you how do you feel? Because I know you said that you were, you were going through high school and you were jealous of your your one friend being able to live out your faith. How yeah. do you now? You're you're I mean, hindsight twenty twenty. How do you see? How did you see God working in your life to support? your mom, even though you were like, you were just a child and your brothers were out. It was just you. Yeah. Yeah. You looking back, I mean, you can see, see God, you know, because when my dad passed away, we uh, were going to one church and I don't even know what it was all behind the scenes stuff was going behind the scenes. We ended up at a a new church uh, about six months later, the church that uh, my mom went to until she passed away. And um, I look back at that and thank God, because she got there, she got involved with some ladies, she got involved with um, their their singles group, not that she was looking to date, but needing right. support. And so I look at that, That was that's one big thing that's always stood out to me, is God directed us there and led mm-hmm. us there um, to, to be able to do that. And then, you know, to be able to, um, to see him move. And, you know, I probably didn't notice it. I don't think I noticed it back then. But as you get older, you know. You'll experience this. Right. You're starting probably to experience this. You start to look back and you're like, oh my word, God, you were moving and you were yeah. working. You know, just the people that I can think in my mind now that if we would have stayed at the one church, we wouldn't honestly wouldn't have the support we had when yeah. we went to this new church. And they didn't, you know, we knew a few people there, but they just rallied around my mom and took us, you know, basically in as in we're inviting us over and things like that. So I see God providing there. My mom had to go back to work or go to work. She was a stay at home mom, a housewife. And uh, so when my dad passed away, she had to go back to work. I saw God provide there uh, because honestly, the job she got as a medical assistant, she probably shouldn't have got without an education. She only had a high school education and uh, she had to do a lot of transcribing and stuff. And I remember, I remember praying with her, um, I do remember that praying and her praying, you know, God help me to understand this job. And she had that job for, I think about 15 years until she was able to retire. So it it was pretty, you know, there's several things as you look back to say, God, you, you stepped in and you provided even, you know, and I could probably acknowledge that even though I wasn't living where I needed to be, I was dealing with so many things that I could say, you know, God, you're still moving, you're still working. But, um, like I said, looking back, you can see those things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know your mom because I feel like that'd be a hard job to get without a degree. Yeah, or to and get she any was, education uh, by any means. Yeah, she was up in, you know, her. She was in her late forties when my dad passed away. He was fifty when he oh, died. Wow. So yeah, he was, she was been forty-seven. So um, just going out cold turkey. Like I said, she had had a yeah. few little odd jobs, but right. not uh, in the professional 
And, and again, the, one of the, the office manager there went to the new church we went to. That's how, like, oh, it's yeah. just, you look back and you're like, Oh God, you were here. You were yeah. here. And uh, I think we find that all in our lives, in all of our lives, but we got to choose to look, you know, we got to yeah. choose to say, Oh, okay. I want to stop and think about that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty wild. I think, yeah, seeing that, seeing the Lord protect your mom, even though maybe in the midst of it, you didn't see, maybe at that moment you didn't see God, like, yeah. why is that happening? And so, um, so we, so you, you, so like I said, you referenced the anger in your life. Um, can you, can you tell us just like a little bit more about like what kind of, like what was the grip that it had? What do you, where did it stem from? What, how did it show its face? Like, how did yeah. that? Um, I know it's hard, hard to believe it today because I'm just such a sweet guy and a jovial guy, but <laughs> I was, and <laughs> that's just tongue in cheek there. Uh, I am getting softer as I get older, but, um, I think they say that yeah, it, comes it works. Age usually. It works. Um, yeah, you see me with your daughter, so you yeah, know yeah, how, exactly. how soft I am, but you know, anger, I mean it, that was probably the, 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 the biggest stronghold in my life, um, that started when my dad passed away, but it lasted for many years and um you know i was i was an angry person uh i mean i would just uh, uh just you know a story just kind of give you an idea is i would fly off the handle at any moment just this littlest thing would set me off um right after right around the time my dad passed away what happened ended up being my best friend he moved across the street um terrible time for him to move he shows up and all these cars are at my house and comes over to play and i'm like well my dad just put you know and it's oh, so no. awkward you know <laughs> it was but, literally the day the days of so yeah. yeah i think he moved in like right yeah so it was rough that part was but we eventually became best friends and right. uh i remember we were playing in the neighborhood playing basketball and like i said he's my best friend but uh, one day uh we were playing basketball and he accidentally knocked my glasses off and i uh, punched him as hard as I could Boy. in the face. I was just mad. And so looking back, I know what that was. I just thought, oh, I'm just being, you know, a boy. But right. I was looking for any opportunity to get in trouble. You know, to the anger was was a big grip on me that, that I dealt with probably even into, you know, adulthood, even after uh, coming back to Christ and really not really coming back to Christ, but making a – uh, a final commitment, you know, as yeah. some people say, I got saved for the last time, you know, right. yeah, yeah. I'll make that final commitment when I did. And, um, but anger, anger is, um, I, I don't even know how to explain it except it's just kind of like an internal cancer, you know, in your spirit that I dealt with and, and would try to just, you know, you can get over this, you can do it. And, uh, you know, I, I came to a place where I had to figure out, Hey, this is, there's something deep in there. It's, yeah. it's a root and you have to, you have to let God take care of that and, you know, get that out. But, um, it's a real deal. And we see that, I see that a lot in our society now, people dealing with, um, anger. A lot of people don't even know where it comes from, you know, it's right. just, yeah. it, it sets up. So, uh, I can pinpoint where mine came from, uh, but it took a long time to deal with it. Right. So you'd say your anger came from when your, your dad passed. Yeah. Away. Yeah. I was mad at God. Okay. I mean, yeah. Was, so I was going to ask out of, out of that. I was yeah. mad at God, but I wouldn't, I don't think I would have. I don't even remember openly saying that. Right, yeah. Because you, you, I knew it. I was raised enough, you know, we were in church, yeah. you know, that I'm not going to say, oh, God, you know, like they told Job, curse God and die. No, I'm not going to do that. Right, but, yeah. Um, that's that's where it came from. Yeah, because, I mean, and on that, like, it's, a, I mean, when, I mean, that was, yeah, you were 10. Yeah. So it was what, 25, 30 years ago. 
Um, 48 now. So okay, so yeah, I mean, we're, yeah. And so, like the taboo topic of like, oh, you can't say you're angry yeah. at God. Yeah. And you're in church and you're like, I know I can't say that, yeah. but like, I am. And how do you deal with that? And so, yeah, um, yeah, that's tough. So it can, you're angry at God, but you saw it manifest itself towards I mean, just your friends when you were 10 oh, yeah. ish. And yeah. then, like, and then, yeah, at that point, I'd yeah. have probably been 14 or so. Oh, know, okay. So, but yeah. I was just, you know, and, and I wasn't like, I don't, I wouldn't say I was a mean kid, but it was just like things would set me off. Yeah. Just like, like you were good until, yeah, it, just, it, it just, would just, and, you know, looking back, I didn't know how to deal with it. Again, I wish I would have had uh, somebody to go talk to, you know. Right. And, yeah. And, and like you said, that was a good point that back then, especially, it was kind of a, not necessarily a taboo, but we just didn't talk about, yeah. you know, things like that. And, yeah. you know, people were well-meaning. I remember, you know, our house being full of people coming and, and people say me or say well-meaning things, but sometimes they're just dumb, you know, things that yeah. they say. And yeah. so I still have those, I was dealing with those things of people saying, you know, I had one individual say, well, uh, sorry, this gets me. It's, it's kind of reminded me, be careful what you say, <laughs> yeah. because, you know, I was 13 years old. One uh, gentleman said, which was a, a friend of our family said, uh, well, I guess God just, God just really needed him. And so, yeah, that's still, you know, 35 years later, if I'm still remembering that and still yeah. messing me up and. My thought, of course, probably you're thinking the same thing is my thought first thought was, well, I thought we needed, you know, we need him right. more here, right. you know? And so, I mean, just again, after I got into the ministry, I think those experiences helped me to uh, be able to minister to others. Still not yeah. perfect. Still mess up. Right. Absolutely. Sometimes, you know, it's not what you say. It's just being there for people sometimes. And yeah. I think every we can either learn from the experiences we have or we can continue to repeat the experiences, you know, and right. there's times I repeat a lot of things, but one of those things I'm not repeating is I just want to be there for people. So, right. But yeah, I think that's one of the most important things because I know that like church people and your friends will come along and they'll say like, God's ways are different than our ways or God just wanted another angel yeah. in heaven. And I'm like in the, like you need the emotional intelligence to understand that that is, that is not helpful and it's yeah. actually more harmful. And it reminds me of the story of Job where like his friends came yeah. after his disastrous day, one day of losing literally everything. And his, his friends, if the book of Job would have been just his friends coming for a week and sitting with him and not saying a word, they would have been the best friends in history. Oh, yeah. But then they had to open their mouth. Yeah. Like if you can just sit in silence with somebody, like people remember how you made them feel way more than they'll remember what you said. Yeah. But if you say something dumb in a time of like pain and yep. it's just, yeah. 35 so years, 35 years later, I'm so, still, and yeah. I, I'm not going to say his name. I mean, he was well-meaning, but right. uh, like I said, he was a good friend of the family. But, you know, I think that's, that's a good point about Job is a lot of times we don't like the silence. So we feel like, oh, I got to say something instead of just yeah. saying, hey, I'm praying for you. I'm here. Yeah, exactly. What can I do for you? And that would probably mean way more than <laughs> yeah. a well-meaning Bible, you know, yeah. adism or whatever. Yes. And so, yeah. Um, so, I, I, so on another thing, you you had talked about you were you said you you wish you had somebody to talk to. Yeah. Um, when was it you went and saw? It, was it a counselor or is it like a? Yeah, I actually did. Or? And that's probably the first time I'm 
publicly saying this is on here. Hey, um, of course, my on. wife knows because she encouraged right. me to go. But yeah, yeah, that's a good way. Um, yeah, I that was that was when I was in Colby. So that oh, was really yeah, that was towards you know my mom uh, passed away, um, and that just uh, sorry that's that unearthed a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so I just felt it. Uh, I wouldn't say I was depressed, but I was, I was headed that direction. Yeah. And my wife would probably tell me I was depressed, but uh, I was just <laughs> I wasn't know, myself. Yeah. And so she just encouraged me, Haley, why don't you go talk to somebody? So I uh, found a counselor uh, there in that area, and and I only went for three times, um, just because honestly that's all we could afford at the time. Oh man. And uh, so, but it, it it was it was so. Um, good to talk to someone that didn't know me, had no clue, had no, you know, didn't yeah, like have no a bias. relationship, but no bias yeah. and just listen. And like you were talking about, um, you know, sometimes we just need to be there for someone, you know, and, um, as she just listened and I, I talked about, you know, everything and just kind of unloaded, you know, and right. I felt like it was a safe place to unload. Um, but you know, of course she was a Christian counselor. I would encourage anybody, you know, that's a believer, don't just some, find somebody that's a Christian. Find somebody that's a Christian counselor that can, you know, kind of guide you in God's word because that's right, what she did. Right. And she would just kind of give me a few verses and say, you probably preached on these, but go dig in and, and see. Go a little deeper. But, yeah, it was very uh, encouraging, um, especially I'm learning as I get older. I think everybody should have somebody they talk to, whether it's a professional counselor or just, you know, I have a, a coach, a, a ministry coach that I talk to and it, it, I think it helps. Yeah, um, find somebody to to be a, somebody you can trust to share. But like, a, why I was, excuse me, why I was going through that counseling, and that's when I started thinking, man, I wish I would have had this a long time ago. Right, you know, I wish yeah. I would, yeah. Uh, but like you said earlier, it's 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 something we talk about now, and uh, uh, we get those requests a lot. You know, you probably get them too. Like, hey, you know. So and so needs to go see somebody. Who who do we recommend? And right. So we have yeah. those opportunities to send people, and uh, I think it's very important to be able to talk it out and be able to realize. You know, I kind of I remember kind of feeling like I was the only one that knew what you know, the only one that was going through this, and yeah, you know, and you know, I had people saying, you know, I'm praying for you and things like that, and that was great, and we need that, but Absolutely. I'd be like, who do I talk to about this? Right, that's, yeah. that can help. So. Yeah, that was good. But yeah, that was quite a late, bit later. So yeah, well, yeah. So that that's kind of why I bring it up because, uh, yeah, I'd say until recent years, it's been kind of a taboo topic yeah. of like, oh, a pastor should not go see a counselor. Yeah, like they are God's like people. Like they should just give it to God. And ultimately, like Galatians six one through three says, um, seek out those that need help, lest you like make sure to like look for the burden to offer up the good, like help them take on their burdens and help them lighten their load. Lest you be tempted kind of a thing. And, and God gave us people to help us, you know, we we were here, we were placed on this earth to help others and others were placed on this earth to help us. And so I think it's one of those things that like, I, I think, especially in college, because I had a lot of friends that were depressed and they'd go see counselors. And I saw nothing wrong with that. I think, if you need help and like the mental help that you need, or if you just need to talk it through, like just to unearth some things that yeah. are in your life, like you were saying, like you just get like, go do that. Yeah. You know, I, that'd be a world of benefit. But again, like the church does like 
in the past, the church did a horrible disjustice. I'm not going to say all churches, but some churches as a wide majority probably did the idea of don't, you don't need the mental health. Just get over it. Just just pray some more or (laughs) pray some more, you know, and, and God offered us help through other people as well. And so, yeah, that's, that's one of those things. Um, yeah, we were at a conference, uh, and I think I want to say it was district council and one of the uh, speakers, he's pastor of a large church in Texas and he brought up that whole topic and he said that he, um, he goes, uh, maybe it's once or twice a month as a Christian, you know, and you would look at him on the outside and go, man, he's got it all together. He's pastor right. in this church, this large right. church. And he said, man, it, he said, I need it. And he said, I need my mental health to be where it needs to be so I can lead other people. And yeah. Absolutely. I really kind of got my attention too, and kind of thought back to, yeah, I wished I would have done that a long time ago. Right. Yeah. I've heard a lot of like mega church, big time pastors say like they're on a schedule talking to a therapist or a psychiatrist yeah. or a counselor or whatever. To, to help them because I can't like the, the amount of burden and, and weight on your shoulders to pastor over a thousand people. If yeah. you're like John Linda with 16,000 or Craig Rochelle with a hundred thousand, you yeah. know, it's just, that's a lot of weight. And the enemy sees that and he's going to come after you. So oh, yeah. like, you need some, he's going to, you're going to need some help from some other yeah. people. You need some support. He's going to look for a weak spot in your armor. And sometimes it's our mind or you yeah. know, it's our, the way we feel about ourselves. You know, uh, I think that's, not to go down another rabbit hole, but that was one of anger was a huge thing. Um, I, I believe like, you know, self image that really got affected when my dad died and just yeah, that whole, um, that whole orphan mentality, you know, right, we, yeah. you know, and, and so we kind of walked through that. We adopted our son from Haiti. Um, you know, that it kind of brought back some memories to me, not that right. I was orphaned, but you know, it's he, sense. He, and, I mean, yeah. and so it, it's just, it's a lot to deal with yeah. and you know, that's why, uh, your ministry. So especially today, you know, it seems like mental health is such a, a need today that your ministry and youth ministry is so important to yeah. be able to not just see kids as, Oh, they're acting out. They're driving me crazy. Well, what's behind that? Yeah. You know, exactly. What's, uh, and I think you agree here. We, we get a lot of kids that aren't from what we would say, perfect family backgrounds, yeah. you know, a the mom model and a, a model family. That's yeah. good. A, a mom and a dad. And you know, uh, so I think it's, I think it helps us prepare for what God has for us Yeah, to minister to others. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's, that's crucial because, because I, I look at students sometimes and I'm like, why are you doing this? And then I just remember them like, I one, they're kids and remember that too. But like the, a lot of them go through stuff I never went through yeah. and they're going through things that I never had to go through. And yeah. so I have to just remember that as well and so um yeah so that's a that's a lot on your kind of like your testimony finding jesus yeah until that point and i think um understanding where god brought you from is great but i also like to talk about like where he brought you to yeah. like where you are now and i so you know i think that the what you what there's there's i think there's there's a quote i had last time and it was um, God will never let let what you lost be the best you've ever had, mm, and good. so, um, like I, I guess the question is just where's where has God placed you now? You're on a Christian, you're on your road. What's what's been the story? What has He blessed you with? What has He given you that you thought well, maybe you would have lost? Yeah, those. Yeah, well, um, you know, like I said, just kind of picking up. I went through high school, and then after graduated, I was in a relationship with a girl that shouldn't have been in, but um, she ended up. Uh, 
find another guy. And yep. so uh, that kind of sent me down a, a, another another dark hole. And uh, I had my my friend who was the kid that lived across the street. Uh, he's not a kid. He was a big, big guy. Uh, but uh, he he was going to a different church. Uh, and he, he had always been inviting me to come to church. And I was like, whatever. You know, and one Sunday night, I just hollered at him across the street. I'm like, hey, I'm going to go to church with you tonight. Yeah. And uh, I'd probably been... 19 at this time because I was going to junior college. And uh, so he invited me to church. and I went to church. And, man, that night I just went down the altar and I just gave it all to God right there. Yep. I was like, I'm done with this. And I would like to say it was perfect since then. It wasn't. Right. <laughs> but that was that was the final. That I would say that was that last time. That was that committal. Um, you know, I could take you to the spot in the church. And mm-hmm. uh, luckily they got rid of the gold carpet that was there oh, and praise. all that, the green praise. and gold. But, you know, that was, and then after that, I just was, I was really hungry. God gave me a hunger for, you know, knowing him and getting into his word. And I, I felt at that time I wanted to be an, a business owner. I wanted to own my own business. At that time I wanted to own like a golf pro shop. Uh, Maybe looking back, maybe looking back, I thought I was going to play golf a lot, but now that I'm older, I'm like, yes, uh, (laughs) as I got older, I realized I probably would have never played golf if I'd be working all the time. Um, so I went to, uh, I went to, uh, South, well, how God directed my life. I was going to go to evangel university. Um, just cause I felt like that was the place to go, uh, hadn't visited me and my mom went and visited. I stepped on the campus and I felt God say, this is not where you're supposed to be. Oh, and, not uh, where you're supposed not to where be. I'm supposed to be at and, Evangel at Evangel, which is the Assembly of God at Mecca University, and uh, it's it's a lot different now than it used to be. Let's put it that's that pro- yeah, that's probably so in. So I was like, well, I'll go to, you know, so I went to, uh, we went down to Texas to visit at Southwestern, same thing, except the opposite. I felt that's where I was supposed to be. So, uh, went there to get a business degree at Southwestern, uh, SAGU Assemblies of God University, Southwestern Assemblies of God University. Sorry. And, um, uh, one day in chapel, there was a missionary. I couldn't tell you who he was. Just know he was an older guy. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a semester in already, you know, in the business, I'd taken business in junior college, so I'm, I'm getting, almost had my associates in business already, and uh, God was speaking to me, and he was just talking about giving God everything, you know, and yeah. dying to yourself, and uh, after chapel got over, everybody left, and I just stayed there, and man, it was like, it was me and God, and this right. missionary had been talking just to me, nobody else, and it, I'd like to say that, you know, I surrendered, because I felt God saying, you know, I want you in full-time ministry, and right. especially at this time, because uh, I I did not like speaking in front of people. I had uh, speech class in um, junior college, and uh, I passed, but I didn't do that great because I, I was not a public speaker, and that's the only thing I think of when God called me. And there's so much more to it I know now, but that was the that was the fear, and, and you know it took about two weeks of God getting my attention and bringing bringing other people just to kind of reaffirm that call, and uh, so I. I I finally submitted to that, went to the registrar's office, said, Hey, I'm, I'm being called into youth ministry. And so we changed. I actually ended up getting associates in business because I was so close. I finished that, but that's good, but ended up getting my bachelor's in church ministry. And, um, that was, like I said earlier, short of meeting Jesus. I mean, that's how I met the love of my life, you know, was because I'm going into ministry now. And, you know, um, Stephanie at that time, was going to Southwestern at the, my last uh, semester of college. She actually ended up going to Southwestern for uh, for that year. And when um, when it was time for her dad to get a youth pastor, 
Um, he said, I'm going to go see my daughter, plus I'm going to go interview some youth pastor candidates. And uh, so I, I don't know if he really wanted a youth pastor, if he wanted to see his daughter. But it ended up kind of they had like a job fair where you interview with, you know. You right, meet right. Uh, so I, that was interesting. I met with the uh, a Korean church. Uh, that was interesting. Trying to, I can only imagine. Uh, yeah, we were like, this is not a good fit. We just yeah, talked and that's okay. moved on. That's okay. But her, her dad was pastor at Baxter Springs, Kansas, which is her hometown. And. Uh, I met him and we just hit it off him and uh, he said, man, I really, I really like you. He said, can you come to the hotel tomorrow morning? And I want you to meet my wife. We'll have breakfast. So went there, did that, uh, didn't meet Stephanie, met her older sister, but I didn't meet her. Um, and then it just all kind of snowballed of interviews, a couple phone interviews. And then that uh, it was only about two hours from where, where I lived. Uh, so I went home for Easter and he said, why don't you come up and check it out? So we went up and checked it out. Um, that's where I met my wife in the there front yard. She was with her front other, yard. she was with her boyfriend at the time. And uh, that's a whole other story that we yeah, like to laugh about. But um, I just think back of finally surrendering to God, you know, out of that, not only do I believe we've uh, had a successful ministry for the past 23 years, but I met her, you know, three amazing kids, two by birth, one by adoption. I know... Uh, earlier you said I forgot to mention them, and now I'm going to be in trouble because I didn't mention them oh, earlier. Oh, no, so, it's not that. But it's, it, it was so, coming. I, I, I had it later, you know. Yeah. And just to see, you know, that's kind of where it comes in of looking back over your life and saying, God, you had your hand here, here, here. I mean, you know, I don't know. You can't you can't play what ifs, but what if my dad hadn't passed away? What if he wouldn't walk through that terrible disease? You, right. know, what if, you know, I don't know where I'd be. But I know I'm here now, and that's all we can focus on. And God, what did what did you teach me through that? And you know, I'd like to say it was perfect. It wasn't always perfect, even right. through Bible college of trying to get the anger under control and dealing with the anger. And uh, when you live in a hall with thirty guys and everybody shares one big bathroom, oh, and there's boy. always noise, and um, yeah, roommates that like to play. Uh, I don't even know what it was back then. Probably Nintendo or something. Oh, the Atari. <laughs> not that old, Gabriel. It's not that. It wasn't that old. But, you know, I like to play that rather than go to class, you know. And yeah. so um, that's kind of where it's got me to where we are today, you know, of 24 years later in ministry of just taking steps of faith. Because when I came out of college, I said, you know, I'm not going to. And I don't know why, but I said there was two places I don't want to go. I don't want to go to Louisiana or Kansas. Louisiana. Yeah. Uh, I had some or friends. Kansas. Yeah, I wow. visited there, and I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> and I ended up in Kansas and stayed for twenty years. You know, so yeah, it was good to us. Yeah, I mean, so you you get know, Baxter Springs, Baxter Springs, and then we went to Ark City, which is oh yeah, that's like right on the line, which is crazy because it's Arkansas City, but since it's in Kansas, they call it Arkansas Ark City. Yeah, Arkansas City. So it's Ark City, and then we ended up going to Medicine Lodge. We were only in Ark City for a year as youth pastors. That was like a transition time for us. Oh yeah, and then we ended up in Medicine Lodge, uh, Kansas, for seven years. That's the first church we pastored. Uh, Stephanie was she nineteen? She was not very old. Yeah. And uh, that no. church was so gracious to us. They were just a bunch of older people who needed direction. And uh, you love that. District superintendent said, you know, if it doesn't work out with you guys, we're going to close the church. So no Boy. pressure, you know. <laughs> so it kind of, we took it as like, well, we can't really hurt it, you yeah, know. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it, it going, and we're done with it anyway. <laughs> and God blessed, you know. We we went from like, you know, I, 
I think our lowest Sunday, um, I know our lowest Sunday. I don't know why I never forget it. 13 people. 13? On a Sunday morning. Wow. We'd already been there for three or four months, you know? I mean, you guys were a sixth of the congregation just sitting in there. Yeah. The first the first Sunday we were there, we had 27. And when we had the 13, we were like, boy, 27 sure feels good. <laughs> yeah, twice as but, many people. Yeah. I mean, we raised by a whole, you know, 100%. But we got in there and got involved, started getting some younger families and the the congregation, the people that were there were great. They they knew they were getting older and right. So uh, we, I guess they say you attract what you are. So we were a younger couple yeah. and so God did some great things. We left there seven years and things were going great and we we really didn't want to leave. We just felt like you know uh, our district superintendent called and said you know. Uh, the church in Colby's open. And I said, okay. Terry Yancey. Yeah. I said, okay. And he's like, no, I, you're on my heart. I, I want to know if I can give them your name. And I'm like, I don't know about that. But I said, I've always said, I'll pray about it, you know? And right, right. So when I really, that. That's I really did answer. pray. We did pray about it. We felt like, okay, we'll, we'll let him. And then, um, they called for, you know, an interview and, um, yeah, it was, we went from, you know, medicine lodge to Colby and, and we wanted to go, but we didn't want to go. You know what I mean? Right. We knew God wanted us to go, but we were, uh, you medicine, were too keen medicine on the lodge. Idea. We were so, you know, the I, or Isaac, excuse me, Parker had just started, um, kindergarten preschool. He was in preschool there. And so, but God's been faithful. And then we were in Colby for 10 years and saw some great things. You know, the first couple of years we had some leadership issues and some things to work through. And, yeah. but we, we saw some great things happen in Colby. Yeah. Some breakthrough and, yeah, I'd my, say so for sure. My heart is missions. I, I'm I I love missions. Uh, Stephanie, and I have many of times thought, why aren't we missionaries? You know, but God's yeah, never really God's never last, released us to do that. But we we did feel that He said, you know, there's there's people that go and there's people that sin. So we're yeah. on that end of it. So we saw some great things and um, nothing that our name will be attached to. And I don't want it attached. I just want you know the kingdom to grow and missions is is how we do that. So one of my favorite quotes is, "We went to his funeral." That was a while ago. That was a while ago. Pastor Tom Green. Yes. Tom Green, his yeah. his quote, and I, I I forget it, but I say I'll never forget it. His like his life motto was, "Let me be the beggar, so the missionaries don't have to." That's good. You know, yeah. and so like and and I because I've known you for so long, it's one of those things that like I know your heart for missions. Yeah. Because we in Colby, we twenty six. Yeah, I can't remember. You said that the other day. It was in the 20s. It was 26 or 28. It was one of those two numbers. Yeah. And we were, I mean, we were supporting 26 people yeah. on at least on uh, every month. And I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing. Like we had the big old bulletin board out there, cork board. <laughs> the old school. And we had, yeah, the yes. old school. And we had a picture of everybody and where they were. And I was like, yeah. wow, look at that. And so, you know, it was always encouraging to know that our dollars were going towards a, a good missions fund, you know, because yeah. we, we wanted to support people. And that was the heart of missions. And so, yeah, I, uh, I appreciate that. I really do. But yeah, I mean, the Lord has been good. Yes, Wanting to is. go to bu- business and then go into the ministry. <laughs> yeah. And, let me tell you, the Lord gives you a wife in ministry. He's like, you go support my people. I'll support you with an awesome wife. There like, you go. That's the trade off. Yes, you got I, one too. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. You yep. just, you see pastors and you see their wives and you're like, huh? <laughs> you tell me there's a God in heaven. Let that's right. You. That's the truth. Let me truth. tell you there's a God in heaven. Well, so uh, coming to the end, I, I'm curious. I always like to ask the question, um, what is, so do you think back to Steve? Steve, BC Steve, mm-hmm. going through the anger, 
needing like people to talk to, but didn't know that he needed to people to talk to fatherless home, lots of anger and somebody that, that might be going through that right now that might listen. That's like, man, this seems like my story. And like, what, what's your advice to him? Yeah. My advice. And you know, what I'm thinking is I felt like I couldn't be real. Like I couldn't just mm-hmm. be real with God or real with anybody. You know, you just put on the, the fake smile and, don't you don't have to fake it, you know. God already knows. Yeah. You know, I would encourage you, uh, find someone, find a pastor, find a friend that you don't just find anyone. Find somebody that you can trust and say, This is what I'm going through. I need help, you know, I just need you to encourage me. And maybe it's you know, on the other hand of that, if somebody would come to you that way, like you said earlier, just be there for them. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and that's I just needed somebody to talk to. And there were people, and I'm not trying to, hopefully you don't hear me saying nobody was there because there were people there and I think people just didn't know what to do. Um, but I would encourage, you know, especially if you're dealing with anger, you know, start to start to find somebody to talk to, find the, find that pastor, find that, you know, if you're able to go to a, a counselor or something and, and say, hey, this is what's going on. And then, you know, find the root of it and then kind of figure out how we, how we can solve that. What can we do? What are some steps we can take? You know, when you feel angry, what do you, what do you, how do you usually act? What, what else can we do? What can we, mm-hmm. um, you know, my thing is, you know, what I learned to do was just kind of take a deep breath. Uh, we learned this in marriage and it took a few years, but, uh, you know, Stephanie, Stephanie is very articulate, very quick to yeah. be able to have an argument, not yeah. just an argument, but a response, you know, and, mm-hmm. and she comes by that naturally, you know, and I'm not, I've got, I'm a thinker. I like have yeah. to deep think. So we had to come place and we tell people this in marriage counseling, it's okay to take a time out. It's okay to say, Hey, I'm not putting this off, but I need to think about this. Cause when, when I would say that, she would say, well, you're just putting off cause you want to talk about it. Well, no, I don't know what to say right now yeah. because I got to think yeah. about it. So I think of that. Also, you know, whatever you're facing, it's okay just to take a step back and go, okay, and, and then think about it, but also find somebody that can help you walk through it. Not somebody that's just going to give you, because none of us like this, you know, and uh, I'm like this as a husband. I've gotten better in 23 years. If Stephanie would come home and tell me something that was going wrong and why she's talking, you probably might do this too. You're a fixer too. I would be fixing the problem in my head. Like, yeah, yeah. well, you need to do this step one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. And she'd be like, no, I just want you to listen yeah. to me. <laughs> and, and so I, I think that's what a lot of people need. is just someone to listen to them. There's a time to fix things. Yeah. But Absolutely. there's a time just to listen and go, I hear you. Right. And, and I think if I would have had somebody, um, I did, you know, when I didn't mention this earlier, when I got into, um, a little later, I got a youth pastor who, uh, his name was Floyd. He's a pastor right now in Oklahoma, but uh, he was amazing. You know, he 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 had a son that was a couple years younger than me, but he saw a need in me, yep. and uh, he met that as much as he could. You know, and so I don't want to say I didn't have people, but looking back, I wish I'd had more people. You know, and so I would just encourage somebody to deal with that to find somebody to confide in, share their heart with them, and say this is what's going on. Yep, and uh, yeah. It's tough though. It's tough being vulnerable. It's taken me a lot of years to, to be able to open up even this sitting here talking like this, right. you know, cause uh, a lot of times I'll share my testimony pieces of it right? Not the in, in my, in my sermons, but it's, uh, cause you know me, uh, I cry uh, yeah. pretty easy. Yeah. I get emotional and Stephanie's always tell me, just be you. Who cares if you cry? You know? Yeah, so, exactly. um, I think it's just getting real. You gotta get real with people. Yeah, you do. Yeah. And, uh, and that's part of the reason is like, I, I listen to so many pastors and speakers. I'm like, but I want to know the whole story. Like I want yeah. a good chunk of it. Cause you know, they do share their testimonies. You got to hit them on the right night. 
but like they'll do that and i think that's why i just love testimonies because like the whole the whole premise of this podcast is revelation twelve eleven. like we overcome him satan by the blood of the lamb which we often get like we got yeah. jesus's blood like i can do anything by the blood of jesus says we overcome by the blood of jesus and the word of our testimony and the yeah. word there is our yeah so you that's are good. and it's everybody's it's it's ours corporate as people and so people that have things in common with my story your story Hans' story and everybody i think that's the key yeah. but um yeah so there's one thing you said you're like i just need a moment internally process so my wife and i were the opposite because <laughs> yeah. i'm the one who's like i'm the external processor i'm like well let's talk about it now let's get an idea let's fix it let's do yeah. it now and she's like give me give me five ten minutes let me think through the conversation <laughs> let me think through the issues and then i'll come back and it's really worked well for us for me because i didn't used to give her the time because i'd like to fix the issue like yeah. then yep and now that i give her some time it's like changed our marriage and the way that we I wouldn't say argue, but like, you know, just have discussions yeah. on certain things and it's helped so much to just be able to withdraw because they're not yeah. running from the conversation. You're not running from yeah. the conversation. You just need time to think about it. Yeah. And I tell you, it's helped me not to say stupid stuff too. Oh, I mean, I still you. say stupid stuff, it. but as much right. as stupid, you know, when you're, Got you're some able time to think you about, think about what, to say. what I want to say, what I don't want to say. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it is. It is a fun time um so last question um that i have for today is um if you could give me three words that describe steve todd bc what would they be wow sure break it down just to three um i mean you could give me no, more i just I, try I to give say, three because i feel like some people would be like no, sometimes wow. it's hard but yeah. i would say you know um, angry, of course. We talked right. about that, but right. lost, yeah, and alone, probably, yeah, lost, alone, angry, yeah. That's three. That's good. Those are good words. Well, Steve, I, the pastor Steve, thank you for <laughs> coming well, on. Man, here. thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I if I couldn't be the and... first guest, at least Hans. Yeah, was you the get first number two. Guest. Solid. Silver. Hans is a solid dude, and if he listens to this, he better hear me say he's a solid dude. No. Yeah, he's a good guy. But thank you, and this is this has been good. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy. I enjoy hearing people's the whole testimony. Yeah. I'm excited for more to come. So uh, I love you, and I thank you for coming on. You're welcome, Gabriel. Thank you, buddy. Love you. Thank you guys for listening to the second episode of the Faith and Focus podcast. I hope that you enjoyed Steve's story and that you're encouraged by hearing what God can do. Revelation 12:11 says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even until death. There is victory in the blood of Christ and there is power when we tell our stories. So if you know someone in your life who's going through the same thing as Steve or something similar, send this podcast to them and see what God can do. Also, I have some exciting news for my listeners. The Faith and Focus podcast is now available on more platforms than Spotify. You can now listen on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and will soon be on Google Podcasts. Thank you for the support, and I'm praying for all you listeners out there. And we'll see you in the next one.